Do you like scary movies? Today's Girls on Film is a Scream special. Here's critic Clarice Lochry on how feminism runs in the blood of this smart slasher. I think in a lot of other horror franchises, not that much power imbued into the idea of the final girl, but Scream has really held fast to to what that is, what it means to be the final girl. And we've watched Sydney Prescott over these films, you know, deal with the trauma. I'll be unpacking the film with Clarice and fellow horror buff Ada Anechi, plus Scream star Jasmine Savoy-Brown. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello and welcome to Girls on Film. This episode is in partnership with Paramount and we're getting deep into the fifth Scream film, which is in cinemas now. Hello? It's happening. Three attacks so far. Do you have a gun? I'm Sydney Prescott, of course I have a gun. Sets 25 years after the first film. The new Scream takes us back to the town of Woodsboro, where a new ghost-faced killer is targeting a diverse group of teens. Samantha, I'm, I know who you are. I've been through this a lot. To take down the masked murderer, the gang will need the help of Scream stalwarts, Sidney Prescott, played by Neve Campbell, and Gail Weathers, played by Courtney Cox. You ready for this? Never. There's fresh blood too, including Mindy Meeks Martin, the razor-sharp niece of the original Scream's Randy Meeks. Her queer identity and feminist sensibility really freshen up the franchise for 2022. She's played by Jasmine Savoy-Brown, a Californian rising star you might recognise from TV's Yellow Jackets. Here's what she had to say. It's a real treat to have you on because we love Scream and we love Mindy. Yay, I'm so glad. (laughs) My gosh, as soon as I saw it, I really wanted to speak to you because she's such a great character and you do a fantastic job. Congratulations. Thank you. It was so much fun and all props go to the writers because they wrote her. (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you, um, when you first read the script, how much of it was there on the page and how much did you work on with the writers and directors um, to kind of craft the character as we see her? Yeah, most of it was on the page. What I brought was myself. They really invited each of us to bring ourselves to our roles if we wanted like little improvs or little details. And I I also brought more of the energy that allowed the scenes to live a bit longer, meaning like spoilers. But for example, there's the scene where Mindy is on the couch and says, oh, I'm going to make out with Francis for a little bit, you know? The, the next scene was never them actually making out. It was like the scene after. So it was like, you suggested that it happened. And I was like, guys, that is homophobic. <laughs> like in a joking way, but like also not. We really should show this on-screen kiss. And so that was a moment that that didn't further the plot. That wasn't needed, but I think really meant a lot to a lot of people. And I, I want to see two chicks kissing on screen whenever I can. <laughs> Absolutely, here, here, and and the fact that it was treated in such a kind of matter of fact way, it wasn't made a big deal of. Yes. It just, it just is. It just happened. That's so exactly. significant, don't you think? I do, I do, and I think that point speaks to Mindy in general. She 
it, her gayness is definitely a part of who she is. She's not ashamed, but that's not her personality. And that's another way that the producers and the directors and the writers and the whole team killed it because they didn't go, oh, the gay character, her personality is being gay. It's just, oh, that's, that's basically an afterthought. And it doesn't really matter. It, her personality is that she's funny and she's smart and she's X, Y, Z. And I just think that they did such a good job. I really love this team so much. <laughs> They seem to be really hot on representation in general. I mean, what kind of conversations did you have, particularly perhaps with the rest of the cast, about feminism, about racial representation, about the fact that it seems to an audience member as a very kind of progressive horror film series in a way? Yeah, we talked a lot about that. All of us are passionate about that. All of us are millennials or Gen Z. And we actually shot during the 20. 20 election we were in the south of the states li like living in the south for a couple months while the election was happening and you know times were really intense and very political so we also had a lot of conversations surrounding that and we're all very proud we're very proud to be a part of a film that is so diverse in so many ways i think that in general every hollywood film still has a way to go even the ones that are killing it there is much more representation that can be seen i think for a film like ours it is a bit tougher because all of the legacy characters are caucasian that means any of their kids can only be mixed race and that's a conversation getting into you know like light skin privilege etc which i'm always happy to have but the fact that they were willing to include and create such a diverse world despite the restrictions again i just speaks to how think speaks to how great they are and hopefully in future films it continues to become more diverse yeah hopefully it's an ongoing thing which is just going to get better and better um let's yeah. hope um you know maybe you'll be a parent eventually in a future right Green. i wouldn't mind that <laughs> oh wow that would be crazy <laughs> imagine that we having this conversation in 10 20 years time or something call me i'll be, I'll be ready excellent there's certain rules to surviving. The attacks were all on people related to the original killers. Whatever his link is to our past, it's pulled us all back here. Um, you, you mentioned, obviously, you know, there's a lot of cliches involving queer characters in horror in general and in film in general. Are there any examples in the past that you found particularly memorable, whether they're positive or negative, that kind of made you feel strongly okay i have to be honest i am not the best movie connoisseur fair <laughs> enough <laughs> when i'm asked a question like that i kind of freeze but i can i, I can't so i can't think of i can't think of specifics but just in general like similar to how oh the black character always dies first it's like oh the gay character first of all is usually a guy and he's very dramatic and like for lack of a better word sissy you know, and really girly, which that does exist, but that's not every gay person. And if there is a lesbian, it's going to be the annoying butch. And there's so much in between those characters. Definitely. Well, I think that was a very comprehensive answer for someone that apparently doesn't watch many movies. So I think you've got it. I think you got it right. Did you grow up with the franchise? Is it something that you watched a lot when you were younger? Embarrassingly, no. I did not know what it was when I auditioned. And I think that worked in my favor because one of the scenes, or my callback scene was the monologue, which of course, Randy's monologue is iconic. I think if I had seen it and I had known, I would have psyched myself out or tried to copy him and I wouldn't have gotten the job. 
So I actually didn't see the film for the first time until we were shooting the movie, like already into it. And I realized, oh, I think this is a big deal. <laughs> I should probably watch the movies. And I watched them each once, again, not to get in my head. And since then, I've seen them all a few more times. And now I'm a big fan. But I did not know. And I think it worked to my favor. Do you think that actually I feel like the people coming to this one don't necessarily need to have seen them all? Because it kind of explains it in a very clever way. I agree. I don't think that you need to have seen them, but I think it will make the movies better. Because, of course, there are so many Easter eggs and nods to the original and a couple of the others. Um, What kind of reactions have you had from audiences to Mindy and the film in general so far? It's been lovely. It's made me emotional, to be honest. I've gotten a lot of messages about from people saying how good it felt to see a character on screen that represented them, that they identified with so much. People have been kind about my work outside of Mindy, just saying the way I handled the text was good. <laughs> and that's always good to hear. Uh, it's, it's, it's been overwhelming in the best way. The Scream audience is so loving they're so passionate about these films but they're also just kind people and everyone's really willing to engage and share nice words online and creating beautiful art and yeah it's just been delightful it's interesting isn't it because a lot of people would think oh horror movies attract the wrong sort of person which is obviously an incredibly old-fashioned position but that seems Mm -hmm. to be quite the opposite with scream in particular it's very opposite and you know i it's funny, I seem to be attracted to horror and darkness, but in general, I don't, those aren't my favorite films to watch, but I understand the importance and the significance of horror. And I actually think that's something we don't talk about very much. Obviously horror is entertaining, kill counts are fun, the special effects are fun, but also I think it's pretty obvious to say human beings are very violent and historically have been. If we talk about killing Jesus, the Salem witch trials, stoning people these days it's mass shootings and you know um sexual violence and there's so much violence that i think is worth exploring in art and if we can let those impulses out in an artistic space and then dissect them and reflect on them then we're doing something good with that piece of ourselves that we need to look at rather than hurting other people so that's just me saying that i think horror is really important because it's a way to let those impulses out and analyze them and then you make it fun (laughs) yeah absolutely scream is a lot of fun um without spoilers which is quite a challenge what do you think this film in particular has to say about that culture of violence and kind of exploring it god that's i feel like i should have a quick witty answer but i'm still figuring out this movie because it's really smart i i think what it's saying is there's there's a healthy some people perhaps may cross the line when it comes to the healthy fan reactions. And I think those are few and far between, but I think it's looking at that and also making fun of it at the same time. Yeah, I really like the fact that at the beginning as well, there's this really knowing reference to kind of elevated horror and mm-hmm. feminism and all the kind of stuff we actually talk about on this podcast and, and many others. Um, and and it, And it's that sort of inclusivity and not taking itself too seriously, which I find really fascinating. And I won't sleep until he's in the ground. The scene that you 
picked out was one that I wanted to talk to you about. But there are any other scenes in the film, regardless of what they say about Mindy, um, that really stick out in your mind and that you're really proud of? That I'm proud of. Yes, the monologue, for sure. That was that was a fun day. It was also just a bonding day with the cast. We did that scene all day long. It was one day of that scene. And um, I think everyone expected me to just kind of give up and read off the page on their coverage. But I was like, hell nah, I love you guys. I'm going to give it my all. And by the end, everyone was cheering for me after every take, which was so fun. And I love a monologue. It feels like theater, you know? That's amazing. And how was it working with all these incredible men, but also a lot of women on this film of different ages as well? And, you know, as someone of a different generation, that's something I really enjoyed seeing, as you say, the kind of that, the characters from the past, you know, and, and, and not, they're not necessarily being a massive amount of tension between them. Yes, that is such a good point. There really were no enemies. Of course, there were moments of tension, but there was no, no tropes in that sense. Oh, and a dream. Any chance I get to work with majority women is a dream. I do that for myself in my music. I only work with female musicians. Historically, things may change, but for now, um, Yellow Jackets is entirely female. Yeah, this, it's just a dream. And this cast in particular, because there was no drama, no divas, men or women, just a fun group of people having a good time together on and off screen. And I will take that regardless of gender any day. And so at the end of the day, what were you all doing? Did you just collapsing into bed or were you hanging out? Oh, we hung out so much. Uh, again, adore this cast. We would spend a lot of time at the beach. My silly self, I'm very bad at geography. I definitely thought that North Carolina was next to Texas for like the first two weeks of shooting. And someone goes, hey, do you want to go to the beach? And I was like, <laughs> you mean lake, silly. And they were like, no, girl, I mean beach. We're on the coast. So now I know more about geography, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Brilliant. I suppose when you do a shoot, often you don't really see outside the set. Yeah, no, I just... I don't know where I'm somewhere in America. America's big. <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned it being a little bit weird out there during the the elections and the periods. Did you yeah. did you find was was there a, a weird atmosphere when you were out and about in the street or on the beach you know, with the locals? Was there kind of strange? For sure. I mean, especially at the grocery store, because this is the South. A lot of people weren't wearing their masks. There was a lot mm -hmm. of Trump signs. No shocker. I was not and will never be a Trump fan. So yeah, the energy was a bit odd, but but we had each other and we didn't hang out with anyone outside of our little bubble. So it was fine. It just was weird going places like the grocery store and seeing, oh, yeah, I guess we're not in L.A. anymore. Yeah, that must have been quite a contrast to the kind of atmosphere you had on set and then going out there into the store and everything. Totally. But it, being on set, you know, crews are a large group of people with very differing beliefs. And. What's, what I love about filming movies and shows is you really become a family and you're exposed to people that think very differently from you on both sides. And, and I think that everyone was able to learn from one another about different perspectives and working together and being kind. And I, it was a beautiful experience in that sense. I think you brought up something really interesting, which you've talked about before in the podcast, which is actually, if you're in too much of a sort of liberal bubble, that's not necessarily helpful and being Agreed. exposed to other ideas can be can be really useful. For sure. I think, man, our political state right now is just so, uh, you know, I don't even have a word for it. I, 
I think there is good, there is bad, there is right, there is wrong. What happened to nuanced conversation? What happened to listening to someone that disagrees from you and walking away and learning something? That, I mean, that's, we do that in other areas in everyday life. We're losing it in perhaps one of the most important areas. You know, it's, it's scary. I, I hope that, I think Gen Z will save us, not gonna lie. I think they'll bring us back together. They're very smart. They're very good with TikTok and using that to connect. But shooting during the election in the South was the perfect example of practicing that. And I have friends now with very different political beliefs than me, and that's great, as I should and as should they. That's really healthy. I completely agree. And you mentioned wanting to, enjoying working with women in particular in film. What do you... What do you find that that brings that's different? I mean, we all we love our male allies, but you know, when there's a lot of women on set, what kind of extra different magic do you think that creates in different dynamic? I think that we have a shorthand, of course. Anyone of the same identity group, whether that's the same ethnic identity, sexual identity, lived experience, there's a shorthand. And so there's a different way to approach the material when speaking with women. I think there's a safety in exploring deeper, darker scenes. I just feel a bit more emotionally held, which allows me to go deeper. Uh, yeah, I, I think that that's my answer. That's really interesting. Um, can you talk a bit more about that? When you can go deeper, do you just feel like more permission or is it to the culture? I feel more permission. I feel safer. There's a scene in specific I'm thinking about. Uh, there's a scene on Yellow Jackets, spoiler for episode six if you haven't seen it, but my character gives another teenage girl, Sophie Nalisa's character, Shauna, um, an abortion or attempts to with an underwire of her bra. Very dark, uh, very intense. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and knowing it was us in the scene and we both understood how intense that was, there just was this safety to go straight to like, the depth and the ugliness of that. Whereas, I don't know, around a man, even a man I loved and felt safe with, I just might not have felt the safety to really go there because that's an ugly, ugly scene. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes absolute sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's something about that security and that reassurance, isn't there? Yeah, and understanding. I'm going to go back to screen for the last few minutes because we'll have a lot of fans listening. You mentioned that, that you suggested the making out scene being at a different point, which I think is a, it's a really good point. Um, do you feel as an actor, it's becoming, people are becoming more receptive to ideas from particularly female cast members who maybe know even better than they do what, young viewers might appreciate? I think so. I hope so. But I think in this case, this just speaks to Matt and Tyler and Chad and William, the producers and the directors. They're good collaborative people and they understand that in order for something to be fantastic, everyone has to bring them full, their full selves to it. That has not been the case for me on every project. Even as I um, developed more... I don't know, clout or whatever. Not everyone is receptive, but why is their movie the number one at the box office this month or this last weekend in the States? Maybe that's why. So I think everyone could learn from them. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Um, what else are you up to? What else should we know about? I have a podcast for Netflix called The Homo Schedule. It is a weekly pod interview podcast that I host with Liv Hewson where we interview queer people, who are killing it. The season, it's a lot of actors, a couple of writers. It's about queer joy and celebration and success. And I love it. And I also have a 
music video and a song that just dropped head to my instagram and youtube it's called orange wine it's a sexy song (laughs) (laughs) excellent and finally any messages to the girls on film listeners perhaps who are young queer women who want to see themselves represented on screen do you think the future is bright i do i do i my advice is to continue to be yourself continue to make your art even if you're making your art and being yourself in private do that and as you get more comfortable take it out into the world and continue to seek community and friends of like-minded people and make art together and eventually the more art you make the more people will see it the more doors will open love it inspiring stuff thank you so much and we look forward to seeing what you do next do come back on girls on film yes best of luck with scream congrats again thank you that was screams jasmine savoy brown Next, I sit down with critics Ada Anechi and Clarice Lohri to unpack this meta-horrors feminism, fan service, and more. Well, Clarice, welcome back to Girls on Film. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm very well. Always a pleasure to have you on the pod. And we have a newcomer here. Ada, welcome to Girls on Film. Hello, hello. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Well, I'm very excited about digging into screen with you both. But first, Ada, as you're new to the pod, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, my name is Ada Inechi. I am a senior producer at BuzzFeed UK and I love films. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you were in the right place. Um, now, I, I'm sort of covered Scream as part of my job and I'm really interested to get into the feminism of the Scream series and in particular the new one. But I'd like you both to summarise your relationship with the series as a whole, if you can. Big question. But Ada, I'll start with you. Um Scream is probably one of my favorite franchises. I I don't know what it is about the franchise, but I've loved it from beginning to end. Um, obviously, in every franchise, there are some some elements. There's always one film where you're like, I don't know what was going on here, but we're gonna love it all the same. Um, I just think it's great. I think it's hilarious. It's scary, but it's not too scary. I think if anyone's trying to just get into horror um this is actually the perfect franchise to do it with and I I think that's how I got into I'm not into horror massively but I love Scream so I I don't know maybe it's like a baby horror film I don't know how you want to describe it (laughs) (laughs) that's great to know I love that baby horror film Uh, Clarice how about you I mean I I guess I I didn't come to it as a lot of the films were coming out I was six years old when the first Scream was released I feel like we said baby horror film, maybe not that baby. <laughs> but it, it's one of those that I have, I've grown to love over the years. And I thinking about the horror franchises that I'm most affectionate towards, I think it, it is the ones that, that have that meta element that are self-aware and are able to, to self-criticize a little bit. My, I guess my favorite horror franchise is the Child's Play series, which as the films went on, I think started to adapt the same mold almost as Scream. And, and that's why I think both of these franchises have such longevity to them because you can't take it too seriously if you're if you're that many films deep. You have to you have to lighten up a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, for me, I love the meta aspect of Scream Five. We'll call it Scream Five just to avoid confusion. Um, again, for a summary before we dig into the feminism, Ada, how did you get on with Scream Five? Did you like it? I thought it was hilarious. Like I thought it was so funny, and like you said, they had to make fun of themselves. Like if you if we took it too seriously, 
even the title of the scream was made fun of because everyone was like why is it just scream why didn't you call it scream five and I love that it was addressed with within the film like every it's like nothing was done on accident everything was like had a purpose um so yeah if you take it too seriously then you might not like it and you might get annoyed and I can see that people have reviewed it saying that it's too meta but have you seen the other films (laughs) like that's the whole point (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's such a that to me is such an odd criticism because it's why I love Scream it's it's the kid at the back of the bus like sniggering and everybody else being like he's like (laughs) (laughs) you're being silly look at all these tropes that you're employing that's why I love Scream yeah I I find it rather endearing the fact that it's sort of humble and it's it's not trying to be something that it's not this isn't funny Amber would you like to play a game Tara (laughs) doors unlocked all doors locked Now let's move on to the feminist side because I, you know, coming to this not from being not being a, a huge aficionado of the series was so refreshed about a lot of aspects of this um, from the diversity from the representation which we'll get onto but also um, the female characters and how many of them are there working together in a common goal um, and it's not labeled a feminist thing it just is. Uh, Clarice can I start with you and ask how you felt about that and what for you was one of the standouts that you'd like to start talking about? Sydney Prescott and Neve Campbell's character is it's just that she she is the survivor and I think you know for having decades of of this final girl trope being I think in in ways easily reversible when male filmmakers get tired of it I guess that they there's not often not I think in a lot of other horror franchises not that much power imbued into the idea of the final girl but Scream has really held fast to to what that is what it means to be the final girl and we've watched Sydney Prescott over these films you know deal with the trauma with the PTSD of you know as fun and as silly as these movies are it doesn't take her experiences lightly and she has these periods where she has to confront what happened to her and I, I find that like really oddly beautiful for, for Scream <laughs> Hello. Hey, Sid, it's me. Dewey? Oh, my God. How are you? Sid, it's happening again. Some idiot in a ghost face mask. Three attacks so far. Something about this one just feels different. Do you have a gun? I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. When we're talking about a survivor, to me, it's Gail. Gail has now, I think she's literally been shot or stabbed in multiple <laughs> films now and has somehow survived it through through the end. And also with her relationship with Dewey, like that she is more of the dominant force within the relationship. She is the high-powered woman. But even though I think it's kind of written 
giving her like the quote like quote unquote the bitch character in that relationship but it's empowered it's not like you don't see it as like she's too mean to him it's just like she is a woman that knows who she what she wants and she's she's pushing forward to get it but also I love that in Scream 5 um the running commentary of her basically doing whatever she can to get her stories across or get her book across or getting those um the movie deals I love that it came full circle she was like you know what I'm gonna focus on this friendship at this point and focus on the female friendship and not use this to like to get my gain in the end and I like how it came full circle to that moment I really like the relationship between the these two in this film we're not going to go into any major spoilers but um it was really lovely to see two quite different characters as you say spending time together on screen without being antagonistic and I think that's something this the series does very well let's talk a bit about some of the younger female characters Chloe do you want to start who do you want to start with on that one I have to be a bit careful because I do want to dance around spoilers here but I, I really liked the character of Sam, the Melissa Barrera character, uh, because very early on, we see her take uh, some antipsychotic medication. And my brain did a very interesting thing <laughs> where it went, oh, no, it's going to do the terrible. It's going to do some terrible trope about mental illness. Oh, gosh. Oh, no, my heart sank. And then I had to correct myself and go no wait, this is Scream. It's going to be smarter than that. And I think what they did with that character, how they deal with it, it it felt incredibly refreshing because I think within the horror genre, uh, the, the ways that we represent mental illness, like filmmakers still get away with a lot of quite harmful stuff uh, with it being largely not commented on and and I liked that this movie took a stand on it and said no you know we're scream we're meta we've seen what everyone else has been doing <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to touch on the rest of them I think there was, I would say there's more female cast members in this than there are men and I think they were really pushing the story along especially with the younger ones um between like General General Taker was, I loved her character throughout because I feel like it was really a no nonsense. <laughs> like, are we getting to the end of what? <laughs> like, everyone, you could even easily fall into those typical like horror film tropes that she was always like, are we are we getting past this or not? And then also, um, I can't remember one of the twins. She was also like kind of just pointing out the bare obvious, like you know that this is the next step. And she, I love that they were also like, you know that we may die next but I'm okay with that I they were just pushing the film along <laughs> that was Jasmine Savoy Brown who plays Mindy Meeks Martin and who we heard from earlier great character I thought on lots of levels and again not wishing to spoil things but I feel that um there's a lot of acceptance of different kinds of sexuality in this film that's just treated very matter-of-factly as we've just heard that's something that Jasmine felt really strongly about bringing to the character and again to me I've been doing this for a while that feels like progress yeah because yeah. with that character as well it was like okay she's a gay character but there was no there was no song and dance made around it and it was just and it was a very like one minute like oh, okay cool and you can, but I know that a lot of films want to make it seem like we are doing this amazing thing by the way let's highlight and make it but it's just it is an everyday it's an everyday situation so why why make a song and dance around it it's just this is just happening exactly mm, there's no scene where she's like stabbing ghost basically <laughs> like it's because I'm gay I'm done this is why I'm in part it just it's just this is how teens are <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> have different sexualities. That's just that's reality. <laughs> exactly. And they didn't even feel the need to put a label on it. 
you just see something happening you're like okay okay and so that yeah that was absolutely brilliant what else did you find refreshing Chris on this on the feminist level this movie enters into this the discussion about toxic fandom which is very often heavily linked to misogyny and it it not only dives into it but it, it goes right to you know the conversation around The Last Jedi, the conversation around Ghostbusters and how that was such a breeding ground online for just, yeah, awful, terrible misogyny and racism. I, unfortunately, because of my job, saw quite a lot of it. It was very unpleasant. (laughs) And I think now to come to this franchise that I love and for the franchise to say, I see you. I see what's been happening. The the movie made me feel good about myself. I don't know why. <laughs> I essentially did everything that everybody else should be doing is addressing the the toxic nature of fandoms. I think that was I I thought that was fantastic because a lot of other people will just brush it past and say, well, it's just like part and parcel. It's just going to happen. People are going to argue that for some reason we're just supposed to completely accept that if you change a race of a character, the racism will come. Like, I don't know why we have now just been like, oh, well, you know, that's, that is what is supposed to happen apparently. But I think them addressing it is like, this is a horrible thing that happens and we should tr- at least try to, I don't know, point it out more so that people aren't just getting away with it. You're all in danger. Mom? Where? Sydney. I've seen this movie before. Not this movie. I love that there's an, an early scene at the beginning, the sort of classic phone call scene, um, when she's quizzed on her her interests in terms of the horror genre and she refers to sort of feminist elevated horror. It maybe felt like a, you know, oh, touche. It's like a conversation we could have had on this very podcast. <laughs> and I love that recognition of that as well. And that made me laugh, you know. And if it feels, it's again, it feels very real. That's why. Gen Z is is very into I've heard on TikTok <laughs> I scroll past they really like <laughs> elevated horror <laughs> but you know it's it that's that's the brilliance about Scream is I rewatched all of them uh over the weekend before seeing this and I was so struck by how each installment is so grounded in the time that it came out and the last one was 10 years ago it was not that long ago and yet the difference between the two movies I think shows how much has actually changed in the past decade in in pop culture and and horror and how we conceive of all those things yeah it's definitely a series that evolves with the times which is great I will say actually though the most unrealistic thing about the new scream is the use of landlines because I was like (laughs) I don't even have a landline (laughs) I was thinking that I was like who actually has one yeah yeah <laughs> but it's all part of the you know the knowing sort of references to the previous films isn't it I guess 100%. yeah yeah <laughs> I mean you talked a bit a bit about about race there Ada and, and the kind of you know the way things have moved on in the past 10 years Clarice um Adam, do you want to speak a little bit more about, you know, the kind of diversity we see on screen here and what your reaction was to that? I think we do have a diverse cast, that is for sure. It could, have been, could it have been pushed potentially, but it's definitely more diverse than it was before. And I think that's, I think that's the point. Like you just have to, you can't expect every film to hit it right on the nose. And then sometimes, to be honest, when they do, you're like, is it natural? Is it tokenistic? Have you just tried to like, 
tick every box of the diversity quota possible. But I would say it was quite natural. I think they, I think they casted really well. I think the use of the twins and the different characters. Um, obviously, we have a, a Latinx like ma- main characters. I think that I think that was fantastic. Yeah, Clarice, do you want to comment on on that at all? Yeah, and and you're so right. It just goes back to that that thing of it's a movie about teenagers <laughs> and I think teenagers that exist today are, are not thinking in those terms they're not thinking about these forcing it's just lived experience and there's no reason to point errors to it because true progress is just reflecting the world of the audience watching and I think that's that's what Scream does it's saying you know this is you <laughs> completely and I would say like the use of all the characters is used so much within this. There's only so much that you could fit in because it's like a merge of old and new. Whereas the old cast is obviously predominantly white, but they're not just going to change Gail Weathers to fit a diversity quota. But I think you're right. While it is fun, it is actually something that we can talk about seriously because this is something that a lot of people are watching. And that's the point that we make on Girls on Film, that even if it's super silly and mainstream, um, it has an effect on the way people view the world. So. I find it really refreshing to see a film like Scream taking that responsibility actually quite seriously in a silly way, if that makes sense. I tried running too. It doesn't work, it always follows. All due respect, that's your life, not mine. I'm not so sure about that. What do you want from me, lady? Hey, watch your tone, new girl. You know how they always say it goes back to the original? Here's the original. I want your help. Because you're wrong, this is your life now, which means that whoever this is is gonna keep coming for you. So? So I want you to help us kill him. You want me to help you and the host of a morning show commit murder, correct? Yeah. Um, Before I have my final question, um, can I ask you both if there's anything else that you wanted to mention from the female side? I guess it, it's refreshing to see that a film that can be so strongly populated with women, you know, can be gory and can be extremely violent. And we don't have to get into this weird binary of, you know, girls, girls like sparkles and, and rainbows and they don't like gore. They don't like horror to go. No, no. Women love horror. <laughs> women love scream. Like it's this is the thing. The reason that it, it's so dominated by women is because also women are going to see scream and going to see this movie and enjoying it and reveling in in all the the blood and the gore and the stabbings (laughs) (laughs) it's a small thing but it it feels important to me and and I feel like I was very much part of the audience for this film and I I always like that yeah I agree and I also with the scream franchise as as a whole I think sometimes when people have like female leads as a tendency to like sexualize the characters which they just have literally never done it's just it is literally the everyday girl and obviously teenagers have sex yeah for sure whatever but you may get like a very very five second reference to it and that's pretty much it I think we did have it as a running kind of a running theme through the latest screen, but it was more conversational and you didn't really have to see anything, which I think is, is, is quite important. You don't always have to sexualize women for it, for them to be the main characters. That is an extremely good point. Finally, I want to ask you both without spoilers, this is quite hard, but um, <laughs> is there a specific moment in this film that made you very happy and, and laugh at the same time? Just one that sticks in your memory and you just go, oh, brilliant. I'm just, I'm trying to think like how to avoid the scene. It's really hard without spoilers, isn't it? Sorry. I can allude to two moments that really made me cheer. Um, 
One is where the heroes sort of get one over on, on Ghostface and it involves one of the legacy characters and it's a real moment of like, aha, <laughs> which I think it, I think it's a testament to, to, it made me realize how much I've really fallen in love with those legacy characters over the course of the four previous films that I was so invested in them like winning and succeeding in that moment. And the other thing that I really enjoyed was, oh, I don't know if I want to spoil it. There's a reference to a, a certain director in it that is dropped very casually that I had to ask my friends afterwards if I'd heard it correctly because I thought it was too much fun and it was too good <laughs> that I couldn't believe they actually did it. Hopefully that <laughs> explains the dark ruining. Nicely done. I would say that it's just the, like, everything that refers back to the originals, whether it was characters or locations. I Every time something pops up, I was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. Even I think with the final reveal, I was like, this is great. And also I just love the constant stab movies within them. So I don't really know if there's a spoiler, but the latest weapon that Ghostface had in the, in the newest stab film, because he had like a full... I think he had like a full makeover in the new in the stab films. He had like a metallic mask instead, and then I think he had a faint flamethrower. And I was thinking like, yeah, that could also happen in if they if they weren't so conscious and also just like trying to make the money as like we've seen franchises do, and they just get super ridiculous. Like I'm sorry, like the Fast and Furious ones, it was going across that vein. And when you saw that flamethrower, I was like, that is so funny. Like, I, that was definitely a comment. But yeah, I thought that was great. I, I, I want to see that film. <laughs> right? Because I think it was like, he had like, the costume was like sleeveless as well. So it was like a super macho. Yeah, you looked very great. like cool biker guy. And I'm <laughs> extremely invested. <laughs> Maybe they can make a spin off in a movie within a movie within a movie. Yes. Honestly, okay. release the stab films. Yeah, <laughs> do it. Get more meta. We want more meta and more scream. Well, listen, thank you both so, so much for joining us today. It's been such a, such a pleasure talking to you. Um, where can our listeners find you, Ada? All my handles are my name at Adder and Aitchi, and I also have a podcast called Season Sessions if people want to tune into that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Therese Lou, and uh, my podcast is called Fade to Black. <laughs> Excellent. All podcasters love it. Well, thank you both again for joining Girls on Film and um, come back and see us again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> you said we were going to finish this. Go finish it, Sydney. was Ada Anechi and Clarice Lohri. You can catch Scream in UK cinemas now. Girls on Film is an HLA production, brought to you by executive producer Heather Archbold, producer Heather Dempsey, audio producer Eliana J, assistant producer Shania Pithia, and our partner for this episode, Paramount. I'm Anna Smith, and I was joined by Ada Anechi, Clarice Lohri, and Jasmine Savoy-Brown. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. I'll be right back. <laughs> He's dead.